welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, welcome back, you guys. This is Sarah. And this is Katie, and we are back, finally. It feels like it's been a million years. I know it's only been one week off, but we're so happy to be back. Yes, we are, you guys. It was just... As I mentioned in the the Patreon episode we just recorded, it was just a hell of a month, and I think it was like that for everyone. And as I said, it was just like 2020 just came crashing down in November in the middle of the elections, and my mental health was like, nope, bitch, not today. You're staying in, and you are going to deal with these emotions. You're going to put your stretchy pants on. You're going to get a tub of ice cream, and you're going to cry. Yep, oh, yep. Which is what happened. Uh, so yeah, through it, mm-hmm. you had to. We had to fill the fills. We had to deal with those emotions and just let it happen. But thank you guys for being so supportive and understanding when we took the week off. It was just really important for our, our mental health and also just life admin shit. You know, life yeah. happens, and you just totally. gotta. Yeah, take some time to deal with it. But anyways, we're back. We're excited. We're hashtag give thanks. <laughs> I was just here. going to say this episode is going to air on Thanksgiving. So how perfect. We <gasps> must mention that we are hashtag giving thanks to all of you for listening. We actually just ranted for about 20 minutes about that over on Patreon. So we won't get too yeah. much into it here. But wow, has that been a Mormon thing to deal with recently? Uh. God. We yeah. are in it together, you guys. I know a lot of our community is made up of ex-Mormons and lovely people who join our community who weren't ex-Mormon or have never been ex-Mormon. But if you are feeling lost, like what is this hashtag give thanks thing? Okay, so basically the prophet of the Mormon church was like, hey, great idea. I'm going to tell all of the Mormons to post a th- gratitude post every day for seven days and use the hashtag give thanks because that's more important than actual matters that are happening in the world right now yeah that's that's very yeah. prophetic how how prophetic to give thanks around thanksgiving right yeah and also he didn't use any of their money that they have to actually help people that really need it no 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 <laughs> no that never happened uh just more hashtag and just more it's hilarious to me because I'm like, if Mormons only knew, because now we know, but at the time, of course, I'm like, man, this is great. It's so smart. <laughs> and now I'm like, it is smart of them because they use free marketing all the time through their own members. Like, mm-hmm. it's the world's largest MLM is the Mormon church. Like, 1,000%. It really is. You're so it's spot on. And then like free free labor because they have missionaries who go out and pay for most of the time they pay for their own mission so it's Mm -hmm. like free employees and free marketing and free labor division like it's insane like it's it's really brilliant actually like I feel like that's why BYU's like MBA program is quite good (laughs) they know how to make money from people and business yep And the members just keep paying them and working for them for free, which is pretty wild. Which is what's happening with this hashtag give thanks, which Katie and I talked about in the Patreon episode. But if you want to listen, go follow. But just some highlights. We talk about some giving thanks on 
Hallmark movies, toilets, and hot air balloons. So if you want to know the background of those, check it out because they are some gems. Patreon.com slash not so Molly Mormon. You have to type it in because we're technically adult content. So have fun. <laughs> yes, we are. Making our parents proud every day. Every we're day. We're, yeah. Oh, God. Can't even get into that. Anyway, huh? um, I have an announcement. We have a new Patreon member. Uh, this person's name is Goose, which I love. I don't know if that's a nickname, but I love it. I Thanks. love it. Thanks for joining us. We're very happy to have you. Um, and beyond that, I don't have anything else really to say. And I think we could probably jump into the episode unless you've got something, Sarah. No, I think I think we're good. We can jump in this episode because it's a. Uh going to be a good one buckle up everyone buckle up (laughs) because this week we're talking about mormon politics um yeah we'd had this like on our radar actually for a while and we actually were talking about doing this even like two weeks ago and it almost felt too heavy to even discuss it two weeks ago when the election was still going crazy, you know. So I'm glad we're still doing it. And it gave us time to sort of settle into it. So we're not quite so angry, but we still are angry because we're ex-Mormons, you know, bitter apostates. <laughs> we're so bitter. We have daddy issues. Yeah, we have heavenly daddy issues, I like to say. <laughs> oh, such okay. Gym. So, um, I have some notes here. I got most of like my source material from um, Religion News Service journalist Jana Reese. I think that's how you say her name. The Salt Lake Tribune, the New York Times, and a book uh, called Moroni and the Swastika by David Conley Nelson. So, wow. And and I got my sources from. Wikipedia. You know, I got some from Wikipedia too. I will, I will say, I don't discount Wikipedia. <laughs> but my notes compared to Katie's, yeah, you take the lead for sure on this one because I, I, you can see my trail of thought. It jumps from all these different topics, and finally, I just stop because I'm like, I don't even know where I'm going with this anymore. It doesn't <laughs> even make sense. I'm just gonna stop. For me, it's kind of all over the place, too. Like, I start with history, and then we kind of jump around in time, because there's so many little rabbit holes you could go down with this stuff. And I know sometimes when people hear politics, they're like, oh, God, no, and they'll they'll turn it off or think it's going to be dry. But stick with us, because this is interesting. At least I find it's it interesting. interesting. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to start back in 1839, when Joseph Smith... J-Dog. J-Dog. <laughs> he visited the, the uh, then U.S. President Martin Van Buren to ask him if the federal government would intercede on the governor of Missouri, which was Lilburn Boggs at the time. So we've kind of talked about this in the past, but Mormons and the, the people of Missouri and the governor of Missouri at that time didn't get along. I wonder I wonder why. I wonder if it was because Joseph Smith was marrying their 13-year-olds. <laughs> I don't really know. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, it could be that. It could be that. 
<laughs> and he was a con man and blah, blah, blah. So anyways, that governor really didn't like Joseph Smith or the Mormons. And this is what Mormons use this a lot to say that they were persecuted. Um, but President Van Buren refused to intercede, you know, because I don't know. That just seems logical. And then, so that negative experience with President Van Buren marked the beginning of decades of antagonism between the leaders of the church and government officials. So, dun, dun, dun. Um, After his experience with Van Buren and finding no support from any other presidential candidates, J-Dog decided to run for president in the 1844 U.S. presidential election. That's insane, you guys. I didn't know this until after I left the church. I never knew it was crazy. Like, and it's interesting that he had so much confidence that he thought that that was a possibility, like something that he could achieve. I think it speaks a lot to his character and his like yeah. charisma, you know and he really thought that he was too. like yeah he really thought that he was godlike in a way that god had his side or what i don't know exactly what he thought because he was just conning people but whatever he had a lot of confidence that's for a sure. lot he had, he had a lot of confidence like the white men <laughs> if only we could all have the confidence of a mediocre white man exactly <laughs> okay so um, his top aide for his campaign was none other than Brigham Young. Oh, my God, I didn't know that. Yeah, and Brigham Young campaigned for J-Dog by saying, <laughs> He it is that God of heaven designs to save this nation from destruction and preserve the Constitution. So oh. they very much were mixing God in there always. Yeah. So did Trump borrow his platform? <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe reincarnated into Trump. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, it sounds real familiar. (laughs) It sure does. There's a lot of similarities here. Um, So his campaign ended when he was killed in jail in June, on June 27th, 1844. So like, I mean, it's sad that he was killed, but also, eh. He was a pedophile, so (laughs) that sounded so mean. I'm so sorry. Um, So after J-Dog died, as we know, we should know if we listen to the past episodes, the majority of the saints followed Brigham Young, who made plans to move everyone to the Great Salt Lake Valley. This is the place. So in 1849, the LDS Church petitioned Congress that a huge swath of land, which they had settled, be admitted as the state of Deseret. So basically, they like went over to an area that was technically Mexico and had lots of Native Americans living there. And they wanted that to be called the state of Deseret. And they wanted like their own kind of statehood and sovereignty because they wanted to elect their own leaders. Um, but they were also practicing polygamy. Mm. (laughs) So the U.S. was like, no, we're not going to grant you statehood as you want. Um, but then that area they were living in got incorporated, um, in the Compromise of 1850. And, um, in that same compromise, they struck 
uh, deal on slavery because the Mormons had introduced slavery to the area, as we know. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. But they're not racist, I remember. <laughs> they have no racist past or anything. No, 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 no. no. This is a side note, but just out of curiosity, do you know what Deseret means? Um, no, but it's definitely like a a very churchy thing. I mean, there's like here, I'm gonna look it up. Deseret. I know. I was like, if any listeners, you guys uh, know anything other than what we're and by we, I mean Katie's about to look up. Um, it says in 1849 under the name Deseret, a word from the sacred book of mormon meaning honeybee and signifying oh, industry i didn't so, know it was in the book of mormon maybe that's just where it came from i don't know oh anyway, interesting pretty wild it's a very mormon thing yeah anyway people who haven't been mormon and are listening to this are like what is that <laughs> yeah but heard before <laughs> in mormon culture deseret is like use all the time it's like the name of their magazine publishing it's mm-hmm. deseret deseret news yep. deseret bookstore like deseret industries their thrift store oh yeah di yeah mm-hmm. yeah um okay so brigham young very quickly um he didn't even want to have statehood he wanted to secede from the u.s like entirely Um, because he wanted to openly practice polygamy and slavery. Um, We did a whole episode on Brigham Young and how he's terrible and how he's, like, the worst. Like, he's the most unpatriotic person. He, like, did everything against the United States. Like, yeah. Um, So by this time, President James Buchanan had heard about what Brigham Young was doing and sent U.S. forces to Utah to appoint a new governor to take away that control that Brigham Young had over everyone. And this was known as the Utah War. This also is the same time that the Mountain Meadows Massacre occurred, oh, which that's right. we've also covered. So go back and listen to that if you want. Um In 1882, Congress passed the Edmonds Act, which made polygamy a felony. Um, Wait, wait, what year is this? 1882. Wait, so can I I do a little fun history note? Please do. These are the the only notes that I have, just random shit like this. Um, I wanted to to research, like, the first Republican convention as well as the first Democrat convention. And so what I found is that the first one, the first Republican National Convention was in 1856. Oh, okay. And the convention approved an anti-slavery platform that called for congressional sovereignty in the territories. And it was an end to polygamy in Mormon settlements. Ah. So that was part of the platform was, and I was like, oh my God, it's just in there. So it's like anti-slavery, ending polygamy, and also uh, federal assistance for a transcontinental railroad. But the oh. Mormon polygamy was, like, on the, like, one of their their issues for this platform. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, continue. There you go. So, yeah, then it became a felony. And very conveniently, the church president, Wilford Woodruff, <laughs> got uh. a revelation from God, uh, this 1890 manifesto that made it so that polygamy was no longer 
practiced or commanded by God, uh, <laughs> even though it still was secretly for many years after. But yeah, a lot of times I just get so frustrated when active Mormons are like, oh, no, 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 we didn't do that because of government pressure. That was from God. And it's like, uh, nah. <laughs> uh, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> but it's like every time it's like, it's so absolutely ludicrous that people think that and and I say that because I used to be that person same, same. but to think that like no 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 like polygamy stop because God commanded like past revelation to say to stop how convenient like why <laughs> it just makes absolutely no sense that God would one day be like polygamy and the next day like JK back and one woman that's it <laughs> like Flying with the law now, how convenient. <laughs> like, if really, if if the, you know, Mormon God is that fickle and just, like, only pays attention to those details like he does with, like, oh, we're going to ignore everything else going on in the world, but I am going to give revelation that the, we can no longer be called Mormons. It's the Church of Jesus Christ. It's life. very important. Very important stuff. Yeah. mind fucking blowing so in the 1870s the people's party was created and backed by the lds church so that was like yeah a uh, political party and then the liberal party also existed at the same time but it was seen as the anti-mormon party the salt lake tribune was the newspaper of the liberal party while the deseret news supported the wow. people's party so it's been there for a long time i didn't um, realize it's been around that long wow yeah um so church leaders realized that one obstacle to achieving statehood was that its population did not participate in either of the two major national political parties so it was decided that the people's party would be disbanded and then the republican Oh, yeah. So like you said, the Republican Party, like in the nation had opposed statehood for Utah because of like the polygamy and and slavery stuff. And so because of this, at this time, interesting, eh, blah, blah, blah. Interestingly (laughs) enough, the majority of Mormons at that time leaned Democrat, which is super weird because that's not how it is now. Um, But anyway, so um. Sorry, I lost my place. However, church leaders did not want to see the entire body of the church turn Democrat. And so George Q. Cannon was sent by the first presidency of the church to instruct party leaders to make sure that church members were split evenly between Republicans and Democrats. In some instances, local bishops stood in front of their congregation and instructed everyone seated on one side of the building to join one party and the families on the other side should join the other party so that they could be involved in like politics basically on a national level which was super weird I didn't know that (laughs) wow so LDS prophet Heber J. Grant was Heber Heber he was opposed to the election of uh Franklin D. Roosevelt FDR and he shared the view of J. Reuben Clark also an apostle and David O. McKay also an apostle and prophet that also all BYU building names Right, right, yeah. These men are so revered, you guys, if you're not Mormon, if you haven't been Mormon. But they all shared the view that the New Deal, uh, you know, during the Great Depression was socialism, and they all despised socialism. So 
They were of the belief that welfare or government assistance of any kind, even during the Great Depression, was like wicked and it was just reliance on the government for lazy people. So literally nothing has changed because that's what people still think today. <laughs> literally and my also my I next find it hilarious time. that people think that uh, people, conservative Republicans think that universal or public health care equals socialism. I can't tell you how many times people are like, Oh, but you live in Germany, like it how is it, you know, in a socialist country? And I'm like, it's not a socialist country. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> get healthcare. That's a wild concept. I know, right? <laughs> um, but literally, my next sentence was you can see this in current conservative Mormon thinking and politics. Like, yep. It really is still super like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and don't get assistance from the government and blah, blah, blah. And people who do are lazy, which is like a terrible, ableist, classist, shitty way of believing quite yep. frankly and it's also the same within the the church's like bishop warehouse you know which is supposed to be where you get help if you're in need and if you're a mormon and you're a member like you can get like food or help but it is the same mentality of like you have to do everything you can possibly yourself and like yeah. basically like grovel at their feet you and do. beg before you get any help and it's and just did another you know that did you know that there's like a policy too with that? I don't know if it's as much practice like today and it probably depends on the bishop, but at the time of like Heber J. Grant and stuff, they did have that church program that would help people because they didn't want people going to the government. And so, but what they had to do was that they had to work for what they got from the church. So even to get like Food. Like even during the Great Depression, when they couldn't feed their family, they would have to work for the church, like manual labor to get that food. Be they wouldn't oh, just give it to them, even though they're so rich, they can. That's still in place today, though, because in Is my it? home ward, they did that shit all the time. Oh, I remember God. like there were poor families in our church who they would have them like come in and clean the church extra, even though. They already had the members of the church cleaning it themselves. Yeah. They would have them come in extra or like they had to do stuff with the lawn or like, you know, outside somehow like help cleaning the building outside. Whatever it was, they were always like, like they had, because I didn't understand that as a kid. And I was like, why does that family always have to do it? And I remember, I don't know if it was my mom or someone in the church explaining like, well, they get help and you know, the church isn't just handing out freebies. You have to, like, work for it because it teaches you. <laughs> the thing you. is, it's yeah. the shitty is these family members, like, these, I bet those parents already were working multiple jobs. Yeah. And, and it's, or got it's laid already off. embarrassing enough to, exactly. like, have to ask for help, I'm, you know, and then to know that everyone in the church that you attend knows that and, like, yeah, it's just insane. And for a church that claims to be so charitable and Christ-like, like, Forcing someone to grovel and quote unquote earn your charity is not actually charity. Like yeah. if these people need something, give it to them. Don't be like, well, you have to work for it. Like you don't know what they're going through. You don't know how hard they have it. And the church has so much money. They could just be constantly giving without ever. They could give for hundreds and hundreds of years and not even really see a dent in their finances. So 
Yeah, it's really That's the thing up. that just, like, fucking blows my mind is, too, is it's, like, what are we paying tithing for if we really were, like, at that time, you know, paying tithing because, you know, it's the Lord's commandment and he will bless you in return. Well, if I'm paying tithing, I want to be seeing that money when I'm in need as well, exactly. not just saying I have to work for it. And they sometimes, though, more often than not, it's not even that the church, like, helps you out financially is like they'll give you canned goods right shit. exactly mm-hmm. I know yeah. canned goods don't pay the rent but okay mm-hmm. um okay so FDR had campaigned on a platform that included the repeal of the prohibition so alcohol prohibition and meanwhile Heber J. Grant was a leader in the Utah State Prohibition Movement. So he was like super for prohibition. But despite this, FDR actually won Utah in each of his elections. And Heber J. Grant, when he saw that the majority of the church members supported FDR, he said that this was, quote, one of the most serious conditions that has confronted me since I became president of the church like he was so upset that they would support the repeal of prohibition wow Um, and later that's really what matters right and later when um that was actually put into place at general conference Heber J. Grant said I have never felt so humiliated in my life over anything as that the state of Utah voted for the repeal of prohibition. <gasps> That's the thing he was the most upset about in his whole life. What a privileged life he leads. <laughs> wow. He's that other people have the right to choose to drink alcohol if they want to. <laughs> okay. Because that's what matters and that's what's important. And this was when um, Heber J. Grant really, like, doubled down on the requirements that members abstain from alcohol. Like, before this, it was a rule. But after this, it was, like, one of the biggest things that was hammered into people. Like, you do not drink. So that's kind of where that originated from. Wow. Um, Like we learned... With Joanne, during the administration of Spencer W. Kimball, the church openly opposed the Equal Rights Amendment. So And still does. And still does. So there's that little nugget, and that we covered that already. Um, in the 1990s, the LDS church participated in an effort to prevent the passage of gay marriage legislation in Hawaii, which I didn't know. But I didn't know that either. Yeah. And that, because that was obviously before, then they also did that again in 2008 uh, with Prop 8 in California. Um, And then Mitt Romney campaigned for president in 2012. And um, it was the first year that a member of the LDS church received the nomination ever. Well, from one of the major political parties, because I think when J-Dog ran, he didn't run as like a Republican or Democrat. I think he was independent or something. But Oh, no. yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy to me. I was thinking the other day, like, oh, my God, if it came down to like anything, I would I would so much rather have had Mitt Romney than Trump, which is saying a lot. Because <laughs> I remember yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I was planning on voting for him at that time because I was still very much a Molly Mormon then so I was like yeah it's the Lord's time 
we finally got a Mormon. This is second coming, y'all. And then That's obviously. Blowing my mind. I totally didn't realize that. But yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. I um, was definitely Mormon still then. So. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so in the 1960s, only about a third of Mormons identified as Republican. But recent polls have the percentage around like 70 percent. Um and but in 2012, over 90 percent of Mormon voters voted for Romney. So like you can wow. see how that plays in, like even if maybe they weren't tech, like didn't lean Republican, they were one of the few that were Democrat. They voted for Romney because he was Mormon, which is like mixing religion and politics. But OK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, let's see. So, yeah, in the recent decades, the Republican Party has consistently won a majority of the LDS vote. Uh, Utah uh, has the majority LDS population, so it's one of the most heavily Republican states in the country. Um, the LDS Church becomes involved in political matters. It, it says it becomes involved if there's a moral issue at stake. But, like, fuck off, right? God. <laughs> Um, but they do have over a dozen members of Congress that are Mormon, and 80% of Utah state lawmakers are Mormon. You guys. 80%? Yes. Fucking hell. Like, no wonder <gasps> it's so, uh, I it drives me bananas. That's actually really terrifying. Isn't it? Like, yeah. And that's why I get so mad and so um, just, I guess, passionate about separation of church and state because they bring their religious beliefs into government and law and it's not cool at all yeah no exactly like what we talked about in the beginning one of the the big reasons for my like mental breakdown that I had this month and just like emotional oh man emotions highs because I was just so angry and annoyed at people um, who weren't able to see how much religion plays an influence on politics and how it's just it's absolutely ridiculous that the U.S. still has even though they're like the one country that says like separation of state and church (laughs) it's also the one country that where that's so obviously not the case that Uh politics Uh are heavily influenced by religious beliefs and even if their platform doesn't openly say that there are christians who are funding these politicians and their platforms i mean think about the the case that's happening right now with that kid who was his name rittenhouse kyle rittenhouse who murdered two people and he got post he posted bail at two million dollars and he got that from Christian and conservative groups who donated. It makes me sick. It I'm makes me sick. just absolutely enraged. Like so angry that I'm like, these your religion should not influence a political system in any single way. And the fact that people aren't able to separate that and then the hypocrisy of it all is they're like you know, I can't tell you how many times I was told during this election that, oh, I voted for Trump because he aligned with my moral beliefs. What in the actual fuck? None of his moral beliefs align with yours. I promise you that if you are yeah. a so-called Christian, right? the things that Trump did and said, 
do not align with that. And if you're only voting for him because he's Republican and because your Christianity is against abortion or whatever, those social constructs that we have in place, like that's a that's a cultural thing and not a political Uh issue. And that's the part where I just get so enraged. Oh, you guys, I could go on it for hours. But yeah, such good points. And I totally agree. Yeah, it's it's and I've even heard, you know, how people like to say, well, America, it's a Christian nation. No, it's not. It's not. And we need to stop saying that and we need to stop mixing it together. Like that's the opposite of what it should. It's freedom for anyone to practice religion or to not. We don't have to shove it down each other's throats. Our your quote unquote moral beliefs like no. uh -uh. Exactly. Yep. Okay, so I want to go back. I know I kind of jumped forward there with a couple of things, but. I do want to go back in time a little bit because this was fascinating to me and I think this is going to make you pretty mad. Um, And there's a lot more on this. I'm just going to tell you a little bit because I don't want to spend too much time on it. But um, so we're going back in time. And so during Hitler's regime in Germany, um, Mm -hmm. obviously they were persecuting lots and lots of people, obviously persecuting Jews. They were also persecuting um, churches like the Jehovah's Witnesses and stuff and all other kind of small religious sects that weren't like, I guess, the traditional ones. They were being very persecuted and lots of horrible things happening. But the Mormon church continued to practice in Germany unhindered, totally free, totally fine. The Mormons not only survived under Hitler's regime, but they thrived. They avoided Nazi persecution through skilled collaboration with Hitler's regime. And they escaped. Yep. And they escaped post-war shame by constructing an alternative history of their collaboration. So of course they don't want to talk about it, but they, yeah, they totally collaborated with the Nazis and were able to still, yeah, they, I guess they were white enough and, Oh, just whatever passing enough. Yep. So under um, the Nazi government from 1933 to 1945, no Mormon congregation was stopped from worshiping and hardly any individual Mormons were even persecuted. Gestapo agents silently attended Mormon services, but no punishment came to the church. An estimated 5% of adult male members actually joined the Nazi party. And church speakers did not criticize the government at all. They did shun their Jewish converts, and the government ordered the church to avoid preaching about, quote-unquote, Jewish topics so they couldn't say the words Zion or Israel. And so, like, if there were hymns with those, they just wouldn't sing those hymns. Um, You guys... Sorry, I'm I'm not yeah. surprised by this at all. Like the fact that, you know, when I moved to Germany, I was spending a lot of time with um, German Mormons and a few of them would casually just say that their grandparents were Nazis and and they were also. But it, it actually, now that you say that, it never even registered in my mind that they were Mormon and Nazis. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. <gasps> they, That's insane. And you know, it's a it's an inter it's a very like multifaceted subject, and there's tons we could go on into it. But it and 
probably a lot of people maybe did that for their survival or didn't yeah, criticize for their survival, but it's just really interesting that um, they thrived through it, whereas other religious sects didn't. Um, an American Mormon student who attended a speech by Hitler in 1930 wrote of how, quote, he was the greatest orator I had ever heard. And, oh, God, yeah, he he said that he, oh, after the speech, he briefly met the dictator of Germany himself, and he predicted that, quote, whether for good or evil, Hitler's dominating and compelling personality would be a power that would be felt. After Hitler took power, American Mormon missionaries' views of the government during the 1930s varied. Well, they also praised they praised Hitler's oratory skill and approved of his, quote, unifying a politically divided country. Wow. So when I read that, I was like, that sounds so much like Trump to me, whereas a lot of times you'll hear people go, well, yeah, sometimes he's, you know, a bit boisterous or sometimes he's, you know, but you can't help but not tell that he has power and he's like trying to get back to the, you know, whatever, make America great again. And he's trying to do this or that. And it's like, no, he's actually just hateful. Yeah, exactly. There is, oh my, I'm still processing this. Yeah. Like the whole part where they said, well, yeah, I guess he has a dominating and compelling personality. I've heard that said about Trump as well, where they try to defend. Oh yeah. All the time. All the time. Yeah. So anyways, there's a lot more to be, if you guys want to research that, that's, I um, got that from the Moroni and the Swastika book, and there's a lot more you can go into of that, but that also could be like its own episode. (laughs) Yeah, I think that would be really interesting, actually. Um, Okay, so after, so we're jumping forward again. But it seems like, from what I could research, after 1976, Utahns in general, which is, let's just say it, Mormons, are consistently Republican. Um, Most Mormons, or not most, but like many, believe that the Constitution is divinely inspired. Do Do you remember being told that as a Mormon? Yes, I remember. I feel like Gordon B. Hinckley or someone said that, and... We were just like, oh, yeah, the, you know, God divinely inspired the Constitution, like Mormon God, of course. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what I also remember being told in Humanities at BYU? That <laughs> Michelangelo was inspired by Mormon God. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of course he was. Of course. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, And I remember being like, that makes sense. (laughs) I love when you tell stories like that that are so wacky. And then you say, yeah. And I was like, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) To things that made absolutely no sense. (laughs) I know. Okay. So, yeah, they think that the Constitution is divinely inspired. And after um, 1976, they mostly loved Ronald Reagan, which... Ugh. Every Republican loves Reagan. Gross. Um, and Ezra Taft Benson, who, if you guys don't know, is a Mormon prophet, he really loved Ronald Reagan. Ezra Taft Benson was the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, so he was also involved in the uh-huh. government. And he was, uh, Benson was a huge conspiracy theorist. 
He really, yeah, he taught openly that the government was being invaded by communists. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and this is kind of where, um, this is where a lot of the right wing kind of conspiracy theory stuff was born in Mormonism. And you can see it's alive and well now, like the distrust of government. And I mean, you just see it in everyday life with Mormons who are anti-mask, you know, they're Uh like, yeah, and they or they're anti-vax or whatever. It's a lot of it kind of stems back to Benson with distrusting government and being so opposed to welfare that also just spreading conspiracy theories like wildfire. Um, in December of 1961, Ezra Taft Benson gave his first general conference talk about the Book of Mormon in which he talked about his conspiracy theories related to scripture. He discussed, yep, he discussed the Gadianton robbers and the secret combinations as a way to alarm Latter-day Saints about the dangers of big government. So, I don't know if you've heard of these, but in the Book of Mormon, there's like the Gadianton robbers and quote unquote secret combinations. And a lot of conspiracy theory Mormons think that this is like New World Order type shit. Like (laughs) that the Book of Mormon is foreboding us and telling us that the government's all going to try to track us and control us and poison us. And it's Satan in the government and blah, 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 blah. So it all sounds so familiar. I remember learning this at, I want to say in my BYU uh, Mormon Book of Mormon class. Yeah. And that's crazy. That's coming from a prophet. So like, no wonder it still prevails today. Also in the 1960s, Benson informed Latter-day Saints that they could not be a good Mormon and a good Democrat. The two were incompatible. He taught the Democrats. Uh, yep. He taught that Democrats and socialists and big government supporters would take away people's free agency and make them beholden to government welfare programs, robbing them of their dignity and self-worth. God. He's just oh God, it's so gross. Um Okay, uh, yeah, so here's an example of his conspiracy theory stuff. He published a pamphlet in 1966 entitled Civil Rights, the Tool of Communist Deception, which what? he was very against civil rights, also a racist piece of garbage. In a similar vein, during a 1972 general conference, he told all members of the church that they should read Gary Allen's book, A New World Order, called, uh, The New World Order, None Dare Call It a Conspiracy. <laughs> what? Uh, Okay, here, be ready to get even more, man. Ezra Taft Benson, he he gave a lot of speeches and stuff, and he approved one of these speeches about communism and shit to be used as a foreword to the book that was called. The the book's title was The Black Hammer, A Study of Black Power, Red Influence, and White Alternatives. Oh, my God. And this book has been classified by the Southern Poverty Law Center as racist, the book on the cover features, oh God, I'm, okay, this is really gross, prepare yourself. The cover features a decapitated and bleeding African-American head <gasps> that's used at, at the end of a hammer, illustrating the book's theme that the civil rights movement was being used as a tool by communists. 
That's horrible. Yeah. Historian D. Michael Quinn speculates that the endorsement of this book by Ezra Taft Benson may have been an attempt to get favor with segregationist George Wallace, who several months later asked Ezra Taft Benson to be his vice presidential running mate for his 1968 campaign. Wow. It's just all weird politics and racism and shit. And you guys, this wasn't that long ago. Ezra That's Taft what I was just about to say. He, I looked it up. He died in 1994. This nun was alive when we were children. So, uh, yeah, it's, and he was also a member. This is something else that we could probably do a whole episode on if you guys are interested. But he was a member of the John Birch Society, which is a radical far right group that supports the quote unquote anti-communism and they support limited government. They're very like the preppers and all that kind of shit. Like, for example, Tara Westover's parents from Educated, mm-hmm. they're they're in the John Birch Society. What? So he was a member of that. Like, oh, and the man who kidnapped Elizabeth Smart was a member and huh, Glenn Beck as a member of the John Birch Society. So Oh my God. Oh, I forgot about that guy. Fuck him. <laughs> Um, oh. anyway, so Ezra Taft Benson really, I feel like, um, shaped this super Republican right wing conservative view that we see in Mormonism today. And of course there are democratic, like Democrat Mormons or more liberal Mormons, but they're just not as many like at all. I mean, you know, I think what was the stat? It was like 74% of Mormons are Republican. And I really do think that was because of Ezra Taft Benson's um, when he was prophet and his influence. And that just shows how like you can say, oh, it was just one man. Maybe he made a mistake, but he influenced generations and how Mormons vote now. So it's quite a big deal. And that's where we are, friends. This is where we're at with Mormonism. This now. is where we're at. But it still happens today. Like as much as yep. the church mm-hmm. wants to say, like, we do not get involved in politics. We do not tell you who to vote for. That's also bullshit. Because that's as we've witnessed with Prop 8 and several other um, legal like bills and other things that are being passed, that like the church will send out an official letter, letter saying, like, we're not going to tell you what to vote or who to vote for, but... You know, marijuana is not, you know, doesn't go along with our morals and yeah. like blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, they can, they have this gray area that they can get away with saying like, we never tell them who to vote for, but they heavily influence your decision. Oh, 1000%. And like you brought up earlier, they'll, they'll throw in the um, quote unquote moral issues like, you just said like marijuana, how they somehow think that's a moral issue or anything to do with LGBTQ rights or um, anything to do with abortion. It's like they feel like they can get involved and tell their their members how to vote, even if it's kind of subtly or sometimes it's overt, but they do get involved and it's really frustrating. And I I get really, really pissed off about it. Because that's not me how it too. Me too. They should I mean, pay taxes I, if they want to lobby, right? That's, that's exactly the big argument I got into like two weeks ago as well, where I was just like, you know what? If they want to have an opinion, then they, they should pay taxes. You know yep. what I mean? Like if yep. they are going to have such, and especially in the U.S. where there's a huge population of Mormons, like 
they have such an influence on politics. And if they are going to have that influence, then they need to fucking pay taxes. Yep, exactly. I know. And it's, it's just another reason why everyone from Utah, we love you. I've, we've both lived there, but like, I don't ever want to live there again because of this influence in Utah yeah, politics. Definitely. Like, it's just so they, they hold on to it. I mean, yeah, like I said, 80% of the lawmakers are Mormon. Like, so how are you going to get away from that being all mixed up together? It's really tough, especially just in Utah. But yeah, like you said, even just nationally, like they shouldn't be influencing stuff like that. No, not at all. (sighs) It's just mind blowing to me. Um, Yeah. And you guys, I mean, the fact that I I made it through this episode without just like bawling and, and going into tears of just anger and sadness and disappointment is pretty damn good progress, I must say. It is. Um, I mean, at least, like I said before, I think I said this on the Patreon episode, maybe, like, at least Trump didn't win again, and we have some shred of a tiny bit of hope for a better future, and we can all try to work towards that um, while still acknowledging the pain that is very real and that's happening all around us and just, I guess, try our best to give where we can give and not do it in a way where we're just hashtag give thanks on Instagram <laughs> in this vapid, shallow way, you know? <laughs> exactly, which is not helping anyone. I think, you know, Katie and I have talked about this a few times, and it's it's hard to educate your family on, you know, family and close friends on these issues or to stand up um, when they're saying things that are racist or homophobic or sexist or just all of the above. It's especially during these political times and especially um, with the recent election and the results, like it's hard. It's hard to not get into that conversation or to just go revert back to old ways, especially and I'm speaking of myself, you know, my, my behalf of just, you know, not getting into the topics or just uh, avoiding it or ignoring certain comments. And in this time, I was like, I can't do that anymore. And I have to say something. And I have to stand up for what's right and actually, you know, speak up, which I haven't done before as much and if ever. And this year, I was just like, I can't keep quiet. And it was emotionally exhausting and tiring. And it made me even more aware of the fact that this is something that Katie and I are are privileged that we don't actually experience these injustices at all that Mm -hmm. a political platform like Trump was imposing and you know dividing the country based on these things and we don't even experience them firsthand we're just talking to family and and friends about it and the fact like the emotional and physical and physical and mental toll it took I was just like wow right and that was just one conversation imagine that being your whole entire existence exactly and so we just again emphasize and, and give our love to all of those who have to experience that firsthand on a daily yeah. basis I I'm so sorry that our country is still so fucked up and there are still so many people who have these views and so many people like me until recently who just kept quiet or didn't want to feel uncomfortable or feel discomfort. So I didn't say anything, 
when in reality, I was so privileged just to feel discomfort and nothing else. Yeah, uh, I'm the I'm the exact same way. Um, and I think we just like to do, at least I would, I want to do a call out, especially I know our major demographic is white and women. And you know yeah. what? We as white women need to do a fuck ton better. Yeah. Um, and like Sarah just said, we need to get uncomfortable and we need to have those conversations with our racist family members and friends because people of color black and and indigenous people have been doing it forever and we need to fucking stand up and if you're not doing it you need to start and also if you voted for trump what the fuck exactly Uh, you're at you're being active in your own oppression and oppressing others so um yeah we as white people white women need to stand up and do better and um by talking about it and realizing it and then yeah having those uncomfortable conversations is an important place to start it's the important place to start and the very least we can do exactly I mean, it's, exactly it's not causing us any issues in terms of we aren't experiencing any of this stuff we're just literally having to deal with discomfort or maybe issues of the relationship, which I'm not belittling. It was very tough and I cried straight for a week and I didn't know what to do. And then it kind of just hit me like, get over it, you know, like you're not even experiencing this. You're upset because you're having to have this conversation that has made a huge riff in a friendship or a relationship or a family member. And that's it. Like that's, you know what I mean? And that's something that you can work through, but it's a choice you have to make of either you learn to either you continue to ignore it and have this friendship or relationship that's not genuine or you speak up. And yeah. if that causes an, a relationship to end, well, then so be it. Like more right. of them need to end in order for this society and world to change. Yeah. Like, if you're silent or if you're silent about issues like human rights issues like um gay rights and black lives matter all of it if you're silent about it and you don't speak up when you see or hear injustices you are complicit in it and I have been that Sarah and I have both been that and we Mm -hmm. fully recognize that and so we're we just want to tell you all right now don't be like us (laughs) Yes. And let's do better as a collective. And I know we can. We, we, we can. can. We can. And I think that's what this election showed is that, you know, we can do that. But it's also an even bigger indicator. And it is an indicator that, you know, for so long it was about the white vote. And this election showed that that's not the case. You know, yep. so <laughs> many votes were due to people of color making these changes happen and yep. that needs to be recognized as well yeah for sure oh anyways guys sorry it was a bit of a a heavy topic again but I think it was it's very educational so thank you Katie for educating us on politics and Mormons and how they overlap far too much throughout our history and still today mm-hmm. yeah very interesting well, and educational Thanks for listening. Um, As always. (laughs) And we will be back next week with more for you. But yeah, have a good week. Take care of yourselves. 
Yes, everyone be safe, be healthy, and listen to experts. You know, it's it's still a pandemic. I know everyone wants to be with their family and loved ones over Thanksgiving, but please, please, please be selfless and just be safe as much as possible. Okay, guys? Please. All right. We love you. Be safe, healthy. Give thanks. Hashtag give thanks. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.